Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. I appreciate the songs this morning. I am thankful hearing that song is hard for, I think, anybody not to think to back to the day when God saved them. And I am thankful for, as I've shared before, I was, it was a Wednesday night for me when I was nine. And I'm thankful for that day when I know God did a work in my heart that uh, no one else could do. And I like how the song says, He made me whole. And uh, that's exactly what He did for you and I, where uh, there was a brokenness because of sin and, and separation from Him. But I'm thankful for what He did in my life and uh, the mercy and grace He showed me, because uh, just like everyone else has ever been saved, undeserving and unworthy, but I'm thankful. Uh, for that night in my life and uh, what God did for me. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in Matthew, Matthew chapter number 2. Looking at verses 13 through verse 23, and as you've found your place, I'll ask you if you will to stand with me this morning as we read the word of the Lord in honor and reference to it. Bible says, and when they were departed, that be the wise men, when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they are not. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead, which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea, in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in his dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And when he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, thank you for this time to come together to worship you, to honor you. God, to mature in our faith. Lord, we thank you for how your word speaks to us. God, how it was written so many years ago, but Lord, it's still so prevalent and still so real for our lives. God, for that's the nature of truth that It does not change and it does not falter, God, and I'm thankful for that. Thank you for the the reality that we can anchor ourselves in you, God, because you do not change. And Father, we're thankful for your sovereignty and control over all things, Lord, because that's what makes our refuge in you so special. And God, I pray that you'd help us this morning. God, give us a hungering for truth. Give us a hungering to become more like Christ. Lord, help us to be more aware of the sin in our lives, the areas where we're not like you, God, and make us... Uh, repent of those areas. God, help us, Lord, and begin to work in us through your Spirit to mold us in the image of Christ, Lord. And as we study the Word of the Lord today, I pray that you would help us 
God, to be changing by what we read, Lord, to respond in humility to it. Father, help us not to just go through the motions of a Sunday morning, Lord. Help us not to just open our Bible to hear a message to go home and nothing be different and nothing be changed. But God, we pray for the Spirit of God to be at work during this time to do what I can never do. God, and that's changed lives. Lord, I'm thankful for your word still powerful this morning. God, that's my comfort as I preach, that, Lord, your word will do what you intend for it to do today. And God, it's powerful, and I'm grateful for that. If there's a soul here today that's lost, God, I pray for their salvation. Lord, I'd love to see them come to a knowledge of the truth, come to a place where they, are be, they have been forgiven of their sins, and they can rest in Christ. Lord, help us all to learn more of what that means, to truly be at rest in you. We don't have to worry about our sins, for they are forgiven in Christ. Lord, from that point, help us to grow and mature to live out the lives that you'd have us to. Lord, all these things we ask in the names above every name. Amen. Thank you for standing this morning. Uh, we find ourselves in Matthew, uh, chapter number two specifically. As I mentioned last week, is a lot of times as I began preparing for last Sunday, the Sunday after Christmas, I, I was thinking myself, a lot of times we've uh, been a preacher for the last few years, handful of years, you you preach a message about the birth of Christ on Christmas Sunday or the Sunday that's closest to Christmas, and then you kind of you move on. I mentioned you kind of do with the baby Jesus, if you will, the birth of Jesus, the same way we do our decorations. We keep them up, we build up to Christmas, and then all of a sudden those things are kind of out of date, if you will, and we begin to put those things up and put them away. Well, as I thought about that, I thought I would, myself would like to study more into the early days of Jesus, the Biblical record does not give us a ton of information about the boyhood of Christ, the, the days in which he spent as a child, but the record of Scripture does give us some information, and that information of, in Matthew's Gospel is found in chapter number 2, and then Luke gives an account, some details of the same account, some of his own details, and then he also shares a uh, narrative of when Jesus was a boy, a young, a young child older than in the days in which Matthew chapter number 2 are said. And so that's why we find ourselves here in Matthew chapter number 2, and we're finishing this chapter, which we started last week. And as I began to ponder and meditate upon what's taking place in these verses, the old hymn came to my mind that says, God leads His dear children along, some through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. I mention that because as you study the actions and the direction of Joseph in these verses, every time he's moving, every time something has taken place, a change is being brought about in his life, is because God has interjected himself into the life of Joseph and given him a specific direction. And all along in these verses of Scripture, Joseph is following following God and what God wants him to do. And I think what Joseph, the example Joseph sets, and uh, what the lyrics of that song leads us to, the, what it reminds us of is the distinction that God is our leader. The implication that we learn from Joseph, what I emphasize through sharing the lyrics of that song, is that we don't pick, as, as believers in God and followers of Christ, we don't pick our own path. We don't pick what decisions and we don't go the route that we feel like is best for us because that will lead us into trouble and that will lead us into destruction. We don't do what seems right in our own eyes or rather I should say we're not supposed to do, we're not wise to do what seems right in our own eyes or what feels best to us. We don't go down the path that when we look at it think, I like that the best, it seems the most comfortable, it seems the most rewarding, I'm going to go that way. 
The nature of being a Christian is we don't live that way. We live under the authority and the lordship of Christ. And that's what Joseph sets a powerful example of in these verses. Is he just follows God. And that seems simple. And that's something that you're being here this morning, I'm sure, would testify and say you do or try to do in your life. But we'll often find that's much easier said than done. To truly follow God. To give Him the, the reins of our life, if you will. And that's what Joseph does here in these verses. But what you and I need to recognize as followers of Christ is that God is our master and that He knows better than us. So even if He leads us through the fire, as the song said, or if He leads us through the flood, we'd rather be there following Him than we would rather be trekking out on our own path somewhere. That's the nature of believing in God. That if He is leading us through those difficult places, that's where I'd rather be with Him, being led by Him where He wants me to be than me trekking out on a path that I've carved for myself. And that's what Joseph embodies in these verses of Scripture. He shows us what it means to submit to His Lordship and authority over our lives. So I asked you a question this morning. Do you generally, the overall nature of your life, would you say that you do as God instructs or do you primarily do what you want to do, whether it's according to God's will or not? And I say that and is all of us, from our best moments to our worst moments, the, the most genuine follower of Christ is going to have days and moments where they trek out on their own path. And we'll always find that we regret that decision. That decision never pays off. But I, that's why I say the overarching theme of your life. And when you do go down those paths, do you repent and seek to get back to where Christ wants you? Or do you genuine, genuinely and more overarchingly live in a way that says, I'm going to do what I want to do, whether God's will is in that same direction or not? I think that's what this passage of Scripture requires us to address in our lives. So these verses will help us better evaluate in our own life if we're truly following God. Or I could pose the question to you like this, what does it look like to be led by God? Again, all of us would probably say we're being led of God or we're trying to follow God, but what does that really look like? I think Joseph sets an example of that in these verses of Scripture. So, and, he, and it does goes through this process twice, which I'll show you what I mean as we make our way through these verses of Scripture. But if, if you'll look with me in verse number 13, you'll see Joseph listen for the voice of God. It says, when they were departed, that was the wise men. You remember last week we uh, looked at their worship of Christ. They, by exactly how they knew, we don't know, but they knew that this star in the sky was leading them to the king of the Jews, and they follow it, and they come to worship Christ in his home. So this is happening probably two, within two years of the actual birth of Jesus. So Jesus is one or two years old, and according to verse number 13, they leave, the wise men. And then it seems that immediately after, Joseph is asleep, and in, while he is sleeping, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph during that dream and tells him this. The angel says, Arise, get up and leave. Take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And in this verse of Scripture, you see that God has given Joseph very specific instructions. God has given him very direct leadership. Joseph, after he wakes up from this dream, knows exactly what God wants him to do. You see, you and I, as we live and the context and the day in which we live are not to expect God to speak to us in a dream. We're not to look to go to bed tonight and God to give us leadership 
through a dream where an angel of the Lord appears to us. God can do what He wants to do. Of course, we understand that. But we, we living in the 21st century, believe that God speaks to us through His Word. That this is God's direction. This is God's leadership. This is God's instruction for us. So when I say listen for His voice, I'm telling you this morning that you and I, if we want to follow God, to, to listen for His voice, we have to come to the Scriptures. We have to come to His Word. That's where He directs us. That's where He guides us. That's where He shares with us His will and His intentions. So a lot of people may say, when it comes to following God, they may say, well, I don't know exactly what God wants me to do. And that may be fair. That may be true as far as specific directions for your life in the sense of when God called me to preach, I did not see in any scriptures where it said, Bradley Anderson, you are to preach. But in the scriptures, God gives you direction. God gives me direction. God gives us instructions for our lives. So when we come to that response, I don't know what God wants me to do. My follow-up question to that would be, have you tried to listen to His voice at all by spending time with Him through His Word? I think a lot of people live in a state where we want God to appear to us in a vision. We want God to just show up one night while we're sleeping and say, Bradley, do this, or, or Brian, do that, or Pastor James, do this. That's kind of what we want. But do we ever apply ourselves to where God has told us He has spoken and given ourselves over to time in the Scriptures to hear God's direction and instruction and leadership for our life? What is your daily relationship with the Scriptures look like? I'm trying to tell you this morning, don't expect God to speak to you through a dream. God has spoken to us, already spoken to us through the Bible. And here, in these pages, you can hear His voice. If I didn't believe that, I would not stand in front of you and preach His words. So do we really believe that He has spoken in the context of the Bible? And if we do, then... Do we run to it to seek His leadership, to try to sense His calling and will for our life? A lot of people may think it would be easier if God just appeared to me in a dream. But God has given you all this wisdom and all of, this, all of His will revealed within these pages that directs us and provides guidance for our lives. But then in verse number 14, Joseph does this really wonderful thing. He does this really, really profound thing. He, did, he does exactly what God told him to do. The Bible says simply in verse number 14, when he arose, when Joseph woke up from his dream, he knew what God wanted him to do. He, had, he didn't have to wake up and think, you know, kind of like Gideon and say, I'm going to put this fleece out. And if it's, remember the exact order, but he said if it's dry on the, the fleece, but everything else around it has dew on it, then God will know it's your will. And God did that. And then Gideon said, well, Lord, just to make sure, now do the opposite. And God did that. Joseph, Joseph didn't need all that assurance. Joseph woke up and he knew exactly what God wanted him to do. And he didn't wake up and ask a million questions. He didn't, according to the scripture anyway, he didn't wake up and, and try to think it through, try to think, well, what if, if I leave here today and, and I, we have some stuff set up here, what are we going to do when we get to Egypt? Joseph didn't do all that. Joseph gets up, the Bible says, gets his child, gets the baby Jesus, takes his wife Mary, and they leave and go to Egypt because that's what God told them to do. So listening for the voice of God is not enough this morning, but we must obey the voice of God. Joseph may have had many questions. I wonder about, as I studied these verses, I wondered about Mary. Did Mary ever say, Joseph, where are we going and why are we going there? Because according to the vision or to the dream Joseph was given, 
It was given to Joseph. Mary, I'm sure he shared with her what was taking place, but Mary may have thought, if Joseph didn't have these questions, Mary may have been saying, Joseph, what about how are we going to feed our child? How are we going to pay for our way there? How are we going to take care of all these things? Traveling, of course, I don't know, but I hear and I could imagine traveling with a young child is probably not always fun. And as I mentioned, Jesus, we assume he's probably two years old because Herod sends out the edict to have every child two years and under killed. So we assume he's trying to take care of, he's trying to kill baby Jesus. So that's why we would infer that Jesus is two years old or younger. And they didn't have a nice Cadillac SUV to take him off in to go down to Egypt. So this would have been a hard trip. Joseph could have woke up and said, man, that's, I got a young child here I got to worry about. They could have, I mean, traveling for them would have been much different. But according to the Scriptures, none of that took place. Joseph woke up, got his family, and he took, the, took off to Egypt because that's what God told him to do. And in that, he set such a powerful example for us. A very simple thought this morning, but a powerful example. Joseph did not make excuses or let anything deter him from obeying God. All those things I just mentioned, I feel like are valid things that could have come up in Joseph's mind. He's worried about his family. He's worried about his child. What about if Mary don't want to go to Egypt? What about if they've set up a little bit of a, of a lifestyle, of a, of a livelihood there where they are? He could have tried to sort through those things and thought through those things. But when God speaks, you and I are to listen and to follow. You may have questions. But when you have a clear direction from God, your assurance in Him must lead you to obey in spite of your questions. powerful example that he says to just do exactly what God told him to do and I think here in these verses there's a lesson in obedience for every single person here but I think there's also a special lesson for for husbands for fathers for prospective husbands prospective fathers and then when the Bible talks about a male being the spiritual leader of his home I think Joseph says a powerful example of what that looks like in these verses Joseph was given this dream where the angel shows up and tells him what to do. And then Joseph, say, grabs Jesus. That sounds, I don't like the way that sounds coming off, but he gets his child, the Bible says, in verse number 14, he took the young child, it says, gets his wife, and he goes to follow God. That's what, that's what being a godly husband and a godly father is. You following God and you helping your family follow along with you. That's a challenge for husbands, for men in our day. Joseph says a powerful example of what it is to be a spiritual leader of your home. That you follow God and you bring your family along with you in that journey. As a husband and as a father, your challenge is to lead your home in this way. Your challenge is to you follow God and let your family follow along with you. And that's what Joseph does. And then in verses 15 through 18, I would say this, following God means trusting his voice. The Bible says that he was there, he went to Egypt, and he stayed until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. That prophecy is given out of Hosea 11:1, 1, which says this, When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. And in that, specific context in Hosea it's talking about as it sounds God is sharing that or talking about when he called Israel out of Egypt the exodus 
But Matthew is helping us see that God was foreshadowing more in that verse than just specifically related to Israel and their being called out of Egypt. God was given insight that Jesus would spend a time in Egypt and then be called out of Egypt. And that would be true now that they would have to spend time in Egypt. And these prophecies, you'll, if you read through the Gospel of Matthew, which we've seen it even in the studies we have done, the, the studies, the one chapter the, we've looked at in Matthew, it'll say over and over again that this was done so prophecy could be fulfilled. And in that is great strength and comfort to know that God is in, is in control of all things. God prophesied of these things all those years ago, and then God is able to orchestrate the details of our life to happen exactly how they're supposed to and exactly how His will would see fit. And then in verse number 16, Herod sees that, remember he told the wise men, when you find the child, he tells them, when you find the child, you come back and you get me because I want to go worship him too. Well, as we see here, he had no intentions of worshiping this child. Those words were not sincere. He really wanted to kill the child. And that was his words he used to, so they wouldn't cue in on what he was wanting to do. So when Herod realized they weren't coming back, because remember God told the wise men to go home a different way, so when Herod realized that, he was mad. Exceeding wrath, the King James Version says. So he set forth, he said, okay, well, I'll, make my, I'll take care of this. He says, I will have all the children in Bethlehem that are two years old and under killed according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So through his conversations with the wise men, what they told him, he said, if I say every child under two years old and younger, that should include who? has been referred to as the king of the Jews, and that will take care of this threat. But when I say uh, to follow God means you have to trust His voice, I, the wording of the opening of verse number 15 is what I want to bring to mind. It says, He was there until the death of Herod. And in verse number 13, the angel of the Lord when speaking to Joseph says, Be thou there until I bring thee word. So God didn't tell Joseph, you're going to go there and you're going to stay two months and you're going to come back. And studying this, commentators explain that this time frame is not a tremendous amount of time that Joseph was in Egypt, that this time all, all this took place. But I say that to say, God may not give you every detail and every answer and every specific of what it means to follow Him. And following him can involve seasons where patience is required. Joseph had to go to Egypt and he had to stay until God said, I'll bring you word when it's time for you to leave. He didn't know exactly how long he was going to be there. And as you follow God, you may not be given insight as to how every single detail will go. To provide a, I guess a personal example, personal illustration, when I surrendered to the call of preach. I knew God wanted me to preach, but I didn't know that I'd be at Tabernacle for six years. Then God would call me to Sulphur Spring. I had no idea of those specific details, but I knew God wanted me to preach. And I use that to try to bring to life what I'm saying this morning. When you follow God, there, there, will, there will be questions, I'm sure. You may not have every single detail of what is going to incur on your path and following Him but it's trust that will lead us to obey God even when there are some uncertainties involved. So I say trust His voice. Joseph didn't know how long he was going to be there, but he trusted God's leadership and he followed. 
And when you have questions in following God, you have to trust His voice. And then as Herod's edict, if you will, was carried out, of course you can imagine the, the turmoil that happened in Bethlehem, and that was even according to prophecy. As it's mentioned in verse number 17, a prophecy given from Jeremiah 31, 15, which spoke specifically in the context in which it was given about when Israel would be taken into Babylonian captivity. But again, Matthew pulls out more meaning from that prophecy and it referring to this edict that would come from King Herod. But in this, I, I find a tremendous reminder that God knows best and can be trusted. See, I, Joseph was given, if you, at the end of verse number 13, a very powerful, to me, a very powerful statement. God tells him the reason he's sending him to Egypt. He says, I'm sending you there because Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. So Joseph was given something that a lot of times you may not be given. Joseph was given the specific reason in which he was sent to Egypt. But God may not always give you the reason for his leadership. God may not always help you see the end from the beginning when you take off following him. In other words, what if God had not said, Herod will seek the young child, and God just said, go to Egypt? Immediate Joseph is going to think, why do I need to go to Egypt? God may instruct you at times. God may give, provide you leadership in your life. And He may not give you the reason why He's leading you that way. But that's why we have to trust His voice. If, if God had... As verses number 16 through 18 are carried out, we see and are reminded as we're thinking, in my head I'm thinking, wow, God knows best. So I simply am saying trust His voice to tell you this morning God knows best. If God tells you to get up and go to Egypt, you need to get up and go to Egypt because for whatever reason, it's the best decision. As Herod carries out this edict, Joseph and his family were safe in Egypt because he followed God. God's leadership proved to be best. Our trust when we have questions, when we have uncertainties, when we don't understand exactly why God is wanting us to do a particular thing, our trust has to be greater than our concerns. So you can trust God and know best. Even when you look at a situation and think that don't, in your earthly mind, you think that, that don't add up. And as I thought about this more and more, I thought about other examples in the Bible where God told people to do things and gave them leadership. And if you look at it from an earthly perspective, it made absolutely zero sense. Think about Noah. Told him to build an ark. It never rained. How much sense that makes. But as soon as it started raining, again, found God knows best. You're always, always, always making the wisest move when you trust His voice. And you follow Him. As I mentioned, you see, you'll see a recurrence of this, what I've been pulling out of these verses in verses 19 through 23. Joseph, thinking that, you can say Joseph made it a habit to follow God. He followed and submitted to God faithfully, and that's what a Christian's life has to look like. Not a, not a one-time moment in your life, but it's a routine, or rather a faithful daily thing where we follow God day by day, moment by moment throughout our lives. 
So in verse number 19, we see in verses 19, and three, 19 through 20, Joseph listens to the voice of God. Now that Herod, Joseph is now in Egypt with his family, and when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, and he says, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. So now he's getting, it's been, the time frame has been clear according to God's plan. Joseph and his family can go back. So Joseph gets another word from God. He listens to God's voice. And then in verse number 21, again, Joseph does this really profound, wonderful, magnificent thing. And I'll say that in that wording to say sometimes we fail so miserably in obeying the voice of God. The Bible says he rose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel, just like God said for you to do. Didn't ask a bunch of questions, at least according to the Scripture. Not recorded a moment of doubt in Joseph's voice. God said, get up and go back to Israel. Joseph got up and went back to Israel. And then in verses 22 through 23, we see him again trusting the voice of God. He heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea, so Herod's dead, but now Herod's, one of Herod's son reigned. When Herod died, his, his kingdom was split into three different kingdoms, and three of his sons... Took, part, took leadership over each kingdom. And Archelaus is one of those sons and a very violent, very uh, hard ruler, but he reigned in Judea. And because of that, Joseph is, has some fear to go back even at that. But notwithstanding, the Bible says, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside to the parts of Galilee. So he goes into the northern parts of Israel, and the Bible says he ended up in a city called Nazareth, and even that was prophecy, which said he shall be called a Nazarene. And you'll find that there's not a specific prophecy given where it says that the Messiah, the Christ, would be a Nazarene, but the idea of what that means is shares the King James Version study Bible says Matthew was appealing to a prominent Old Testament theme rather than a particular text, because Nazareth was a small, obscure little town. It was a town where People that came from had a poor reputation, and in that kind of shows the lowliness of Christ, the, the nature of Christ as despised, and that's what many think that is being referred to in verse number 23. But nonetheless, the point I'm making to you this morning in saying trusting his voice as he was going, he was afraid, but then he was warned of God in a dream, so he turned aside in the parts of Galilee. You can trust the voice of God. If anyone ever asked Joseph, why did you stay with Mary? You found out she was pregnant. You knew you've never been with her. Why did you stay with Mary? Joseph's answer would have been because God told me to. If anyone ever came to Joseph and said, why did you name your child Jesus? There's so many more beautiful names out there in the world. There's so much. I mean, your grandpa's name is this. You know, however we name children in our day. Uh, somebody come to Joseph and said, why did you name him Jesus? He would have said, because God told me to name him that. If anyone ever asked Joseph, why did you uproot your family and go to Egypt with a young child and the dangers of traveling? Why did you do that? Why did you go into this pagan foreign place out of the promised land? Why did you do that? Joseph would have had to say, because God told me to take my family to Egypt. And if anybody ever said, why did you come back? Joseph would have had to say, because God told me to get my family and to come back. And then if somebody said, why did you go to the northern parts? Why didn't you come where it was closer? Why did you travel where you did? Again, Joseph would have had to say, because that's where God told me to go. Do you see a theme in the life of Joseph? Everywhere he went, everything he did, 
He would have to say, I'm doing this because this is what God told me to do. Joseph's life was completely surrendered, submitted to the lordship and authority of Christ. Can your movements, can your actions, can your directions, can the decisions you make be explained the same way because God told me to? Or is what is your life being carried out in pursuit of your own personal desires, your own personal ambition that's not surrendered to the will of God, or is your life being carried out in pursuit of following God's leadership? As we stand this morning, as Mark and our musicians would come around, I want you to, to ponder that question over in your mind, and more importantly than just the question, but your answer. Again, I've said it before, we all would say we follow God, but look at your life. And ask yourself if you truly do. More times than not, are you doing what you're doing because you're like Joseph and just following God? If God says, get up and go to Egypt, you get up and go to Egypt. When God says, get up and go back home, Joseph went up, got up, got his family and went back home. Can your life be described the same way? Are you just kind of pursuing your own journey, your own path? You're not really mindful of the will of God. That's what I think the passage of Scripture requires us to evaluate in our own lives. And if God has dealt with your heart this morning in the way you're carrying out your life, God has shown you areas where you fell in this and you want to repent, turn from those things and ask God to help you follow Him. Or maybe God's given you direction and you just be honest, you have a lot of uncertainties and you have a lot of questions about it. And you're trying to reason through it and you're trying to think through this and think through that, but you know this is what God wants you to do. Maybe God has dealt with your heart this morning through His Word to just trust Him. Because I can promise you this, His will is always best. The Bible says in Proverbs, to lead not unto your own understanding. And I beg you this morning, do not lean into your own understanding. Follow Him. As Mark comes around and leads us, if you need to respond this morning, you please be obedient. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.